Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mothball Prophecies. I am your host, Jonathan. Before we get into the show, there are a few things I want to clear up. I didn't realize that the Mothball Prophecies was also the title of a series of articles put out by Nick Gillespie for Reason Magazine back in the day. Well, maybe I subconsciously committed it to memory. Because I used to interview Nick Gillespie, Michael Shermer, and the Reason folks back in the day when I was co-hosting a podcast, a skeptical podcast, and I even attended a few TAM meetings, the Amazing Meeting, at the start of the last decade. As an aside, I actually had a lot of fun at TAM 8 and got to hang out with Joe Nickel, James Randi, and a few others like Richard Dawson. But that was before some very unfortunate comments were made from leaders within that group, which is kind of why I broke away from the whole damn thing. Not a fan of misogyny and rape culture. I also wasn't paying attention because the last show was apparently our 10th episode, which puts me about nine episodes past my initial goal, so yay! So on this, the 11th episode of the Mothball Prophecies, I want to do something different. I want to answer the question that a couple of people have asked, which is, have you ever experienced anything weird or unexplained? The answer is yes. And that about wraps it up for this episode of the Mothball Prophecies. I kid. I kid. I have experienced quite a few things that might be seen as strange or things that belong in the realm of the paranormal. My interest in these topics comes from those experiences. That said, I also try to review those experiences every once in a while. Not to find some grand hidden meeting, but because I learn more as the years go on. So hitting the replay button in my brain and applying that new information can help make sense of those experiences. With that preamble out of the way, I'm going to relate two such experiences to you. Way back in late summer of 1997, I moved into a farmhouse in upstate New York. Now, when I say upstate, I don't mean just outside of Manhattan. This place was in rural New York. Cow country. There was a long dirt driveway leading up to the house, which wasn't exactly in the best structural condition. But the rent was cheap. The house itself was set in a depressed part of the ground, and it was surrounded on all sides by cornfields that came within maybe 20 feet of the house itself. This being late summer in upstate New York, there were some interesting effects as the air cooled at night. You see, corn throws off a lot of humidity during the day. So as the sun sets, a thick, low mist would form and surround the house. It was like being in some backwater pocket of Ravenloft, where wealth was measured by how many rusted K-cars someone could pile up in their yard. 
But seriously, the mist was creepy. Especially knowing the nearest person was at least a mile away. Another feature of the house that certainly didn't spark joy had to do with the bedroom walls. I need to impress upon you that this was an old farmhouse made out of very old wood with lots of interesting gaps and cracks. This was summertime, and apparently bees had taken up residence between the walls. You could hear them humming during the day. If you were bold enough to touch the walls themselves at certain points of the day, you could feel them vibrating. You know, William Friedkin added the sound of swarming bees to the background of The Exorcist to keep people on edge, and it fucking worked. Now imagine living in that, or, or better, trying to sleep in that. This sets the atmosphere for what I experienced. Back then, I suffered from terrible insomnia. It's been one of those things that's plagued me for most of my life. It was August, and thankfully the place had cable TV because I hadn't gotten around to unpacking all of my books yet. I was watching a rerun of Taxi, very late at night, and considering this was 1996, they were all reruns. I remember looking at the clock on the VCR, and it was 2.38 a.m. I think I was getting drowsy. I say that because at that point in my life, I just took sleep whenever it came, which could have been at 2.30 a.m., 5 a.m., or well after the sun rose the following day. Either way, I was sober, and because upstate New York has weird blue laws and the nearest liquor store was like 45 minutes away by car. So the next thing I knew, I heard a metallic clicking noise like above and behind me. I was awake, but my eyes were closed. I debated opening them, and in retrospect, this was a stupid thought. It's along the same lines as thinking that because you're sleeping with a blanket covering you, you are protected from monsters. I waited a few seconds, hoping whatever I was hearing was just the house settling, except the house doesn't make mechanical clicking noises. What made it Worse was that I felt the intangible something, like the way you can feel another person in a room or other people staring at you. Then I heard discussion. It wasn't intelligible, and it wasn't a voice from anyone that I recognized. I opened one eye and moved my head as slowly as I could to see what or who was there. There were two figures, possibly three, but definitely two. I couldn't get a look at the one with the voice, but the other, the other one, was thin, very thin, gaunt, with a large head, 
and I remember those eyes. The parts behind the lenses. The mechanical clicking, like its eyes were clockwork mechanisms, and it was constantly trying to focus in the dim light. Like any person faced with weird intruders in one's own living room well after midnight, I decided to take action and I shut my eyes tighter and waited. The clicking and that voice went on for what seemed like an eternity and then suddenly stopped. That feeling of someone else being near me also vanished. I counted to ten and then sprang up to see nothing. I looked around the room and then out the window where I saw a blue-white flash in one of the cornfields. Now, it's far from an objective stance to connect dots, but given the sequence of events up to now, my brain was certainly leaning towards something that was not of earthly design. To add to this, I fully went against every rational fiber of my being and went outside and stood on the back porch facing the field where I saw the flash. I was self-aware enough not to wander into the field because, despite earning my orienteering badge in Boy Scouts back in the 80s, cornfields are not territory to navigate in low-visibility settings. So, instead, I walked down the driveway to the winding main road to make sense of what just happened. I wasn't scared. If those things were what I perceived them to be, I couldn't imagine them needing to come back. You know, oh, hi, we got distracted watching you play possum on the sofa, and we totally forgot to abduct you. Do you, do you mind coming with us? None of that. So I got to the end of the driveway, and for the first time since I moved, I walked along that main road. For the sake of visualization, when I walked down the road, there were cornfields and my house on the right-hand side of the road, and the road itself wound around a small mountain, a foothill. The area was right between the Catskills and the Berkshires. Well, closer to the Berkshires. So it, you know, it really could have been either. The night was completely silent. No crickets, no tiny peeper frogs, no cars. Because in rural New York, a wild Saturday night kind of wraps up at around 8 p.m., I was half expecting to hear some old man whistling she'll be coming round the mountain, a la Close Encounters of the Third Kind, but I wasn't even graced with that noise. I didn't want to get too far away from home, so I turned around and walked back. I was halfway down the driveway to the house when I felt the urge to look up. I heard a crack from above and then another flash of light as a meteor broke through the atmosphere and just kind of fizzled in midair as it burned to the ground. Midsummer in upstate New York is a great time to watch meteor showers. 
So I went back in the house and just sat down. The television was on, playing a taxi rerun. The episode was about to reach the scene I remembered before falling asleep, and the clock on the VCR read 2.33 a.m., so about five minutes earlier than when I looked at it before falling asleep. I wrote everything down and stayed up until my brain just kind of gave out and I went to sleep. So what actually happened that night? Well, it, it could have been a number of things. My childhood nightmares wouldn't fully graduate to full-blown night terrors until my late 20s, early 30s. Additionally, as I become stressed, I become prone to night terrors and waking dreams or sleepwalking. That started once I found myself helping imaginary customers from the side of my bed during the holiday season, back when I was working retail. And one night, I was even getting ready for work and attempting to leave my apartment for a rather punishing job at four in the morning one night. And the job didn't start until 8 a.m. Thankfully, in both cases, I was caught by roommates who were able to either wake me up or guide me back to bed. Both those things still occur, but are much less frequent, or have been anyway. I mean, 2020's been a hell of a year thus far, so who knows? What I'm saying is, what happened with the entities in the living room? I can place that in the your brain does weird things when under stress category. Oh, I definitely took a walk outside once I was awake, and I definitely saw a shooting star. The skip back in time on the clock was a bit harder to explain. I could say the VCR was old, but it kept time just as well as the clock in the kitchen and the one in my bedroom. So, of course, my less-than-skeptical friends jumped to the idea that this was, without a doubt, an alien encounter, which, of course, led me to do some reading, because why go for the simplest explanation when the most sensational one is obviously the correct one? If we're going to adhere to the Big Bang Theory, then the universe occurred at pretty much the same time for everyone roughly 13.7 billion years ago. If you believe in the theory of evolution, theory meaning it can actually be tested, then every place that can accommodate life has had slightly less than 13.7 billion years to get its shit together and create faster-than-light travel. Despite the challenges posed by faster-than-light travel, FTL if you will, then you have to not only develop that technology, but you have to also target Earth and specifically humans. Unless you believe Carl Higdon from the last episode where the aliens were abducting elk as well as people. If I'm to believe alien abduction tales, 
these beings have no problem communicating with us. So why not approach encounters and get consent, which seems to be a pretty big deal with us humans, and they've had about a century at the very least to study us and get that one crucial part down. But that aside, while I, while I was able to put aliens on the back burner as the cause of what happened that night, this was also the mid to late 90s. X-Files going off the charts, and books like Hyperspace by Michio Kaku and Rudy Rucker's Saucer Wisdom were coming to prominence. Note, if you haven't checked out either of those books, please do. They are amazing rabbit holes to dive down. I'll put the links in the show notes. So those books propose, with a touch of magical thinking on the part of the reader, that life as advanced or more advanced than ours could travel interdimensionally. This suddenly clicked with me because... Of course I wanted to seem smart by saying, why, yes, I do understand quantum physics. I have these books, after all. But that leads to another pitfall in logic. A fallacy, if you will. If you are presented with an unknown, in my case, what the fuck happened last night and you are able to dismiss more conventional answers, and in the process of researching, you stumble across information that presents an even bigger unknown that is supported by capital S science, then that unknown absolutely unequivocally has to be the answer. It's categorized as the appeal to ignorance. Basically, because no one has been able to refute or prove a thing, then that nebulous unknown absolutely has to be the correct conclusion. It's why some people believe in the deep state, and how I know without a doubt that God is a gay latex-clad furry. It's a leap in logic that's been used in conjunction with others to promote conspiracies about the World Bank the government taking your guns, and that Elvis is alive and... Huh. Well, there he goes, down St. Charles. Hi, Elvis. Anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah, interdimensional aliens. For the longest time, that explanation made sense. Sure, these things we've recognized as angels, demons, elves, fairy folk, and whatever else absolutely has to come from another dimension. Absolutely. Yes. These aren't the things that we've labeled them as using our human language. Ha ha ha. They're interdimensional beings. I mean, <laughs> aliens from outer space? Or from bases in our hollow earth? What What are you? Some kind of rube? It had to be interdimensional beings, because that's the only sane answer. So in conclusion, if we remove logical fallacies and a 
general misunderstanding of science, what happened to me that night can mostly be explained in rational terms. I mean, oh, oh, what... What about the shooting star? Why did you look up before it actually made a cracking noise and before you saw it? Probably because it made some subsonic sounds and, you know, my lizard brain picked up on it and I looked up. Simple as that. For the next story, which I thought I'd have time for but actually don't, it's, uh, it's about something I saw with two other witnesses who were at separate vantage points, a thing I can only call an interdimensional shambler. But I have to go for now. Cristobal is coming through here, and I need to batten down the hatches a bit more. So I'll tell you that story at a later date. Maybe episode 20, if I don't forget. Now, if you have any strange stories you'd like to tell me, drop me a line at mothball at crescentcitymedia.com. Also, don't forget to join our Facebook page, where I occasionally upload some things that you're not going to find on the regular podcast feed. Unless you're that alt-right guy who likes to tell people they suck and are wrong without providing any evidence to your grand claims. If you've got nothing nice to say... Stay away from the Facebook page or go on Reddit. Your people await you there. Until next time, sleep tight. Sleep tight.